Hey, this is Mike Koenigs, and welcome to the plant medicine episode of the Big Leap Podcast with Gay Hendricks. Gay, this is a big one. We really dive into some wacky stuff this time. Yes, and in some ways, this is our most vulnerable one yet because we talk about some things that are not often talked about in situations like this. So I really want people to uh, tune in and see where you go with this because it's very controversial material. Join us for the Big Leap Podcast. All right. And welcome to the Big Leap Podcast with Gay Hendricks and Mike Koenigs. I'm Gay Hendricks, and wee, we have a sizzler for you today. Uh, Mike, uh, let's uh, tell us a little bit about it. Well, um, about a week ago today, I uh, did something that I never thought I'd do. It's um, an experience called 5-MeO-DMT. And the best way to put this is... Um, imagine if you could completely and totally connect with um, God or whatever you call the highest being and experience the deepest and most profound sense of love and connection. And then <clears throat> on the way out, um, experience or witness what would be like the Big Bang. And as you reemerge, in other words, what is happening is you are completely egoless and in a total state of union. And then when you return, it's as if you were trying to pour an entire planet into a thimble um, because of the you experience the universe in all its complexity, all of its awe, all of its terror. And as you reemerge, it's like your spirit is reuniting with your body. And I can remember at that moment, uh, probably the most profound second that, or at least emergence was, I heard this blood curdling primal scream that was like, ah! just this from head to toe. And I realized it was me. It was my body screaming in. And terror isn't the right word because it was awe. It was a combination of terror and awe. And um, we can go as deep as you want on this, but it was uh, as I sobbed, as I cried and I laughed and I cried and I laughed, I had never felt so much divine love and connection than I had at that moment. Well, if you haven't already figured out, our topic today is plant medicine. And so everything we're talking about today is buried deeply in nature, and a lot of people are kind of inviting it out now. Um, and so there's a tremendous reawakening of psychedelics and entheogens and other plant-based materials that um, is resurging right now. And uh, just to, to set my own context, how I plug into all this, um, it's been a while since I've done that particular medicine. Uh, I was sort of involved in the first go-around of psychedelics um, back in the 60s and early 80s. And that was the last time I took that particular medicine. I still remember it very vividly. Uh, but obviously, since uh, it, you know, you've been uh, more recently with it, you have a lot more fine grained detail on it. So I want to focus a little on that. So 
to start at the beginning, though, what were you looking for when you did that? Because everybody has got different reactions to plant medicine. Some people really avoid that kind of thing, and some people really embrace it. But uh, why were you into it? Um, there, there wasn't any one reason. I think um, uh, one is if I really go back to a dark place when I was 18, so I never did chemicals at all. And I, first of all, I want to just say, I don't regard 5-MeO-DMT as a drug. It is a profound sacrament. Um, if there ever was something that was divinely uh, created, and, and we'll talk even more about the origin of what it is and where it comes from. Um, but I have a couple friends. They're very, very... Uh, you know who they are, gay. They're what I would regard as very conscious, high-frequency human beings who've done any, a lot of emotional work who had been telling me about this for quite some time. And I was, frankly, just scared because when I was 18, I tried smoking weed, and it sent me in an absolute pit of terror in hell mm. that um, still to this day, I still have um, some bad trauma associated with it mentally. So I just stayed away from anything, even what was considered plant medicine, which is a very different thing. But again, to the uneducated mind who doesn't know the difference between a drug, a recreational drug, something that's spiritual, like an ethnogen, etc. Um, I didn't I didn't have the ability to discern, but I also didn't want to trigger an old trauma. And for whatever reason, I had felt as though this year I had reached a point in my life where I felt like um, psychologically was prepared, um, and um, I had been really feeling much more love and connection and depth, and I feel as though I've reached a state in my masculinity as a man, um, really understanding what courage and emotions and deep connections and love and and authenticity and also uh, being fully present and vulnerable means. And I felt like this would be a step. And it was also set and setting where this put, took place on uh, Native American uh, burial grounds in New Mexico. There is, uh, is it pentaglyphs, petaglyphs, whatever the, the rock Petroglyphs. Yes. Petroglyphs. Petroglyphs yeah. on rocks that are, that are dated over 6,000 years old at this location. And the, experience took place underneath a <clears throat> multi-centuries old cottonwood tree that was massive um so it was uh w- surrounded by doctors mds and um a shaman who are very very experienced in the substance so i felt like i was in good hands surrounded by proper care before and after and 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 i just wanted to explore what I had heard of, and I had done the research on this substance. Uh, a lot of people talk about it now, like Joe Rogan talks about it uh, all the time. Uh, uh, certainly, Tim Ferriss has. I've been going to Burning Man for years. It's uh, uh, there's um, some big groups like Maps, which is an association of uh, that does work with psychedelics and has done profound work on the benefits of it and how it's helped people. It was like again, I think timing plus preparedness mm-hmm. and uh, tell us a little bit about the process all right well <clears throat> we'll get into the origin of the substance in a moment except to say that it um i'll give you the basics for anyone who hasn't heard of it before 
and this is like the first thing you're like, what in the hell? But um, it is it comes from a Sonoran toad that emerges every nine months or so. And it has a, a, a toxin on it. It's the only animal ethnogen other than humans that produce DMT that are known of. Um, and this substance is dried. It's excreted from the toad, <clears throat> done very humanely and safely. These toads actually like to be, quote unquote, they call it milking, um, where it's sort of like being having a, a zip um, popped. But to the, the important part of the experience, I know it's, it's sort of like it weirds out the whole experience right away, but it's people are always like, where does this come from and how could it possibly be? But anyway, it's smoked um, typically in a um, glass pipe um, and it's a very small substance. You're there in this particular case when it's done in a, <clears throat> a proper setting. The shaman will sit with you, instruct you, and in our case, we said a prayer, which is a prayer of self-forgiveness, of forgiveness, of connection, of really... Um, being divinely connected and and for those who are not spiritual or religious it can be whatever you want it to be but then you you inhale this and then someone holds you and you fall backwards you relax in and suddenly you move towards what some people would say is the light it's similar to a death experience and there are many who say that upon death dmt is released from your brain and your body and uh, what a lot of people experience is like you see a lot of fractals. I didn't. I just saw a very pink, white, orangish light, a glow. And just then I, I um, uh, just felt myself melt away. And, and they call that ego death by some, but it's this total s release of self. And it's as if you're being bathed and you dissolve and you experience the closest thing to uh, it's a, a type of an ecstasy. It's not orgasmic, but just pure union and connection and gratitude and um, way beyond what you could ever experience from love from another human being or a person or a child or fame or achievement or money. There's it's, it's so unearthly and um, it's very common to experience Ohm, um, which is the creation tone, which is I started researching this um, there, there is a, uh, it wasn't long ago, I don't remember the name of the researcher, discovered the ohm frequency, which was 40 uh, octaves deeper than the lowest tone humans can perceive. But it's a B-flat frequency, the ohm. And I just remember this. It's, it, it's beyond a feeling. It's not something the, your human senses can relate to. Although it felt strangely familiar it was as if i was experiencing a forever that i've always known mm. and you know some would call it god's love um but it was in incredible and i know um uh if you've ever watched star trek before there were some episodes where they talk about the nexus the union with the nexus and it's i'll tell you one thing as you come out of this you immediately start connecting a lot of spiritual writings and realize that for centuries, for millennia, man has pursued this connection. It's 
it is uh, absolutely beautiful. So that's what would I would call the phase one. And for a lot of people, you don't remember anything. Um, I, I happen to remember some things both going in and coming back, though. I was just thinking back to when I did it, which I believe now was in 1986. And um, I have a good friend who's a medical doctor and a psychiatrist who um, is still very much into that kind of thing and uh, very involved in the uh, psychedelic movement as far as helping moving the ideas of psychedelia over into the mainstream for people even who are not interested in taking the medicine. But I remember it being, I remember the light part, the, the kind of like surrendering to light. And I remember afterwards there was this vibration that sort of came out of nowhere and vibrated my whole body. And it seemed like it went on for ages. And the reason I have to remember that so vividly is um, my friend and his wife were there, my doctor friend, and they had a little girl at the time who was about 18 months old and uh, just a wonderful little girl. And as I was standing there, uh, after I got back up, I was standing there just vibrating in my body for a long time and kind of making these sounds that felt good to make these sort of sounds that you have to make and i don't know how to put it they're not voluntary you just have to open your mouth and make this sound that's already happening as i was doing that she came into the room and walked past and she pointed at me and said to her daddy he's really happy and uh, i i will always uh, remember that she's now about 35 years old i think um but uh I remember the I don't remember all the grainy details of what you're talking about, but I do remember this expansive uh, light. And I also wanted to mention another thing that happened to me on another occasion, which was. As I was expanding, I, I realized a web of connection that connected everything in the world and that everybody's connected. I called it the web of the world at the time, long before the World Wide Web was popular. I remember uh, having this uh, thing I called the web of the world. And what it was, was that everything is connected. And as we learn and go through life, you come to places where only you can only move through them and evolve if you're open to love letting love in and letting love out. So each of those little juncture points have to be negotiated with love. And it sounds like you were crossing into that same territory yourself. Yeah, I, I think um, so. If we go into the my intuitive scientific mind here, and I've done a ton of uh, research after this experience now, which really quickly ventures into quantum physics, quantum mechanics, and um, a lot of work that scientists are doing right now. I, I will just simply boil it down and suggest that love is the single carrier frequency that um, exists inside the universe. My number one takeaway walk away as I emerged from this, as I sobbed, I cried, I laughed, I cried, I sobbed. And I remember turning to the shaman and I said, this should be available to everyone who wants it to experience um, because it's so, so profound. But what I believe to be true, especially after this, and I believe what sacred writings going back to many millennia of, of virtually every religion, what they've dialed into is 
First of all, um, matter and time, um, when combined, uh, are, you know, at, we'll call it the speed of light. Okay. In other words, we are all stardust living on starlight. I think Carl Sagan said something along those lines. But something that is faster than light is mind. And there's little mind. And then there's the big mind, big mind, meaning God or creation universe, um, all that is, all that has been the let there be light. And even before there was light. Okay. Um, and I believe what science is figuring out right now with the Higgs boson and all of the physicists that are collaborating is once we crack and understand that which is faster than light which is mind we will discover that every particle of the universe is in fact like a world wide web we live inside a fractal universe and that the hologram we're experiencing right now the thing we call reality and self is mind um, which uh, when it is aware um, and experiences both light and matter and manifests into this impossible, absolutely impossible thing called human beingness or human life is a hologram. It's a projection of mind experiencing time, matter, love, sex, identity, self. We're expressions of God. That's really, and the universe is an expression of itself. It's, it is this absolutely interconnected web. And now I, I, I can not just comprehend it. I felt it on a very visceral level that um, we do, in fact, create our own reality. It explains the concept of prayer and how we can manifest our our combined minds are individual minds the little m that is a, an ego mind um has the power to manipulate matter light time um and and experience union with with creator the big m mm -hmm. and so that was a big big like it just became absolutely obvious and aware and now i believe that science and mysticism and spirituality is all connecting and catching up with itself. And we're within moments of a new big bang, which is the realization. And I also had another big realization, but I'll, I'll, I'll go down that one after you comment a little bit. I had a huge uh, awakening about AI this morning and the web we live in. In other words, the man-made web. Mm. Uh, I also wanted to uh, mention that uh, our episode is about plant medicine um, because that particular medicine that comes from the frog uh, foam is also in nature in other ways, like in ayahuasca and mushrooms and things, certain kinds of mushrooms. So um, it's available in plant medicine. It's just, uh, I guess, particularly easier to access out of this particular uh, way of making it. Yeah, 5-MeO-DMT, the entire experience lasts, depending on the person and the dose, between 15 and 30 minutes. It is very, very fast. It, it, most people who are experienced in this space would say it's the rocket ship. And um, really, everyone I've talked to about it, where ayahuasca can last for, you know, hours. And it's a different experience. It's uh, And it can be 
uh, and I, I don't have experience, so I'll just stop there. I, I have a lot of friends, a lot of uh, shaman who I've spent a lot of time with, as well as there's um, lots and lots of, uh, there's ibogaine, there's um, lots of other substances. I think this one is unique in its purity. Um, and then there is also a synthetic uh, 5-MeO-DMT that um, is more easily accessible as well. I've tried both of them back in the day. Uh, the one that comes from frogs and um, the one that's uh, synthesized. And I found the synthetic one uh, uh, actually a faster, smoother ride than the uh, the frog one. So, um, so or the toad. The toad. The yeah. <laughs> the toad. Yes, I remember what the shaman said after uh, uh, I uh, smoked the toad, um, the dried toad foam. I, like you, I fell over backwards. That's part of the charm of the thing. People are sitting there waiting for you to kind of go over backwards. And um, I remember being out there in outer space for about 20 or 15, 20 minutes and then sitting back up. And I remember the shaman looked at me and he said, Toad likes you. I will say, knowing this experience now, as I do, um, and one thing I, I will tell you, I, and I've said this for years, I can tell I meet people now, I look in their eyes and I can tell who's done the work. You can see a certain clarity of someone who's done 5-MEO. It's as if there's a filter in through the eyes to the soul that has been lifted. There's an awareness, there's a love, there's a consciousness and an empathy. And um, I, I will say... Uh, now, first of all, I don't believe in mandatory anything, but if there were something that could be mandatory, I don't think any sh- anyone should be allowed to serve as a politician or any place of power without having done this work, meaning uh, deep plant medicine, because what it does to open up your heart and your sense of empathy and your awareness and consciousness and feel the interconnectedness. Um, I read in this this book, it's called The Tryptamine Palace, that during the 60s, um, and there's a lot of really interesting, fascinating work of what happened during the days of, of government-sponsored LSD research, and um, Timothy Leary, and you can get into all sorts of conspiratorial stuff, but the awakening, awakening in Western culture of our connectedness with earth with um animals with um our environment is uh, a lot of it had to do with with a lot of this work and when you look at the the connectedness that native americans have you can understand how um a lot of uh plant medicine definitely definitely affected their belief systems um so if I may, I have one other observation that I experienced um, that, that I've been thinking about since this, this, which is a moment ago, we talked about the World Wide Web and then the Universal Web, as you described it. And you really feel that and experience it. But this was what I woke up with this morning. <clears throat> and I've been thinking a lot about doing this interview with you, Gay, and, and it was that the web we have right now, the, the man-made web, the internet, and what also is going to extend into the problem with artificial intelligence. Okay, So the beauty of nature 
is it's fractal in nature. In other words, it resembles itself. It's this beautiful, pure thing that has existed for as long as it's existed. The problem with the World Wide Web is it's not driven by great values, by purity. And um, the problem with the web, if you think about it, is and, and social media and news, is it's people saying, I like you. And it's not they like you because of your values or your purity. It's because of something else. It's egoic in nature. And I realize that there's a fatal flaw with um, artificial intelligence is that it's learning based upon human behaviors and human likes, not that which is based upon strong values, pure values that which serves the greater good necessarily. In other words, if we've really got to look at the rules and the constructs and um, what's going on right now, especially in the day we live in with facial recognition, true oppression. And I would go so far as to say cancel culture is a new form of fa fascism, as is most of what you see in, in the political climate, as well as the racial climate. You don't yeah, I, like me, I'll cancel right you. Left. Pardon me? Right or left. Yeah, yeah. Both of them are equally fascist um, <clears throat> and impure in terms of their value system. And <clears throat> I really have been resting with that, at least contemplating it and feeling my way through it. And um, so, again, we can go in a multitude of directions here. But what I really appreciated about this experience was. The return to um, a universal intuition and relying on that and also recognizing that this is an, a valid science. Now, it's, it's, it's got its, its flaws. In other words, it's still subject to my egoic interpretation and my past traumas and whatever else I apply on top of it. But I, I'll, I'll give you one other thing that was fascinating to me, um, this, and this would deserve an episode of its own, but apparently, going back around six millennia, when the Vedas were being written um, by the early Hindus, they talk in, the early, in their scriptures about Soma, which... Soma, is, I've read those scriptures. You have, Okay. So they are, that is believed to have been a type of an ethnogen, most likely DMT. Like the concoction, the formulation has been lost because it was only passed on orally. And many um, other tribes and peoples have had their own ethnogens. The Egyptians certainly did. The Greeks certainly did. Um, and if you go back in time, Terence McKenna talks about the stoned ape theory, which was that early primitive hominids pre-man um what bridged the gap what actually gave us language reason and thought were these hominids were eating what are known now as most likely mushrooms psilocybin or psilocybin like um which enhanced their sight their ability to see less likely to get killed by things it enhanced their sense of community and connection and love also their sex drive um which ultimately helped evolve um, into what is known as man today. And if you go back to the early use of ethnogens by the Vedas, 
imagine being able to do controlled use of these substance where you'd go into the light, you'd spend some time there, you'd come back with what is effectively universal knowledge, a download from creation from the universe and be able to sort that and organize it. And that's what early primitive religions basically were. At least that's my interpretation of it now. And so um, millennia of the early Vedas were very likely downloads uh, from uh, ethnogens, being able to commune and communicate with God. I very much agree. I've particularly studied the Rig Veda, where most of that stuff is. And um, the Rig Veda is broken down into sort of chapters, which they call mandalas. And in the ninth and 10th mandala, there's a lot of uh, like invocations saying, pour Soma through the filter, express it um, into the waiting gourd. And so there's a lot of instructions that look like they were preparing some kind of derivative of mushrooms. I know uh, psilocybin mushrooms grow up in the area where the Vedas were originally um, cognated. And also, uh, there's another variety of mushroom that lives up there, too. So they had ready access to that kind of thing. Um, plus, um, power had this, too, up in that part of the world. It's where, you know, hashish and a lot of other places, things like that got invented. We're up there in Kashmir in the upper uh, part of um, India in those valleys up there. And so um, I think there's a lot of ancient evidence for um, all sorts of different cultures uh, partaking in entheogens as well as other kinds of psychedelic material. And uh, Terence McKenna was a dear friend of mine, and I had many, many conversations with um, Terence, especially back during the 80s. I and, didn't uh, know you were buddies with him. Human, wow. <clears throat> amazing human being. Okay. Um, he was about as stoned when he wasn't stoned as he was when he was stoned. But when he was stoned, he was really something. And uh, he was one of the great uh, illuminators of this particular field, I think. And um, I, I've uh, spent many happy hours with him. Interestingly enough, I got seated next to him at a dinner somewhere way back in the 80s, where uh, he was speaking at a conference, and I was speaking at the same conference. And uh, we just happened to be sitting next to each other at a at a dinner. And um, that's how I uh, got to know him. And uh, probably about uh, somewhere around maybe 1982 or something like that. Wow. Wow. So I'm um, curious from yours, uh, your perspective, if you look back at your uh, journeys, um, have you had any other big revelations that stand out um, in your mind that you um, that have affected you over the decades, over the years that you take away and you still um, have integrated into your life? One really big one, which is that when you get stuck in any way, whether it's mentally stuck or emotionally or whatever, the only way out really is to love it the way it is first. And so I use that insight as a clinical insight constantly with people that one of the human frailties of the human mind, one of the failings of the human mind is the tendency to jump out into the future 
or get locked up back in the past, but to actually land yourself in the moment and love whatever's there. That was the big insight that came from my early experiences, both with um, plant medicines and with um, other things like uh, LSD. And um, my daughter once asked me if I if I took any uh, drugs during the 60s. And I, I said, I said, I can't remember because of the ones I took in the 70s. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I know there were a few back there. I was never interested in the kind of downer drugs like you know street drugs or anything like that uh the only ones i've ever done are have to do with these kinds of um mind manifesting meditations or medications and um i i think that insight about love is the one that comes underneath all of them because that was the same insight i had when i did um MDMA, what they now call ecstasy or Molly, uh, it was available in very pure form back around 1980 before they made it illegal. And so I did that many times and even did that with uh, therapy groups because it was uh, I was part of a group of people that were testing out all of that on groups of people and uh, very valuable work. And then the government went and made it illegal, I think, in 1986. And so, yeah, yeah. Well, there's impure street stuff um, was abused. Yeah. Um, and you know, people died and, and it's another one of those clearly misunderstood, um, tools, but you know, yeah, yeah. The wrong guys get involved. Well, here's another question I have for you. And it's something that I, this is officially the first time I've ever talked publicly about any work I've done like this. And I think it's the first time we've hinted upon it in this podcast, but how have you dealt with judgy behavior, misunderstanding from others in the business community and neutralizing it and creating um, uh, understanding? And, and from that, I'll, I'll say that I, I have I, I, I'm not sure this. I may have some clients, for example, that if they heard this, they'd be like, nah, I don't want to do business with you because blah, blah, blah. And others would be super attracted to it. Like as I've gone on and I've uh, had private conversations with some of my clients, they told me that if they knew that I was doing this level of work, they would have worked with me even sooner. And um, we, again, we live in this time where there's a lot of polarity and those who have taken the time to understand this, like, I don't know one person who's done the work with it, who, who hasn't said, um, it's been the most satisfying, powerful work of their lives. And in many cases, they've said it's been the most terrifying. And I will say that afterwards, I am much more aware of what I'm afraid of and the prisons inside my own mind that keep me trapped. Um, I'm acutely aware. Just in the past week, I've really been noticing my old fear patterns that have held me back for decades. And I'm really, uh, 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 I'm excited to take them on just as much as I am terrified. Um, yeah. And at another time, I'll talk to you about that. But I want to get back to how do you neutralize the judgy behavior from a business community? Those who are like, uh, what's this have to do with business and life and success and blah, 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 blah. I remember I get a lot of my philosophy from something that I read one time back in 1969. Bob Dylan 
did an album called Nashville Skyline. You probably have heard of it or heard it. Mm-hmm. A big popular album. Well, they wanted to put Bob Dylan. Some people wanted to put Bob Dylan in the Nashville Country Hall of Fame. But there was a big controversy because they said he's a folk singer. He's not a country singer. But everybody said, hey, it's Bob Dylan and he's done a country song. Let's put him in the uh, uh, Nashville Hall of Fame. And so they called Eddie Arnold, who was kind of at the time the elder country, you know, sort of the, uh, I don't know, Garth Brooks of his time, the most popular one. And they called him and they asked him what he thought. And he said, well, I say let him in. And they said, well, why? He said, why? Because I'm old and rich and don't give a damn. And so I remember reading that when I was, uh, uh, I gosh, in my 20s, probably. And I thought that's a pretty good way to live your life as if you're old and rich and don't give a damn. Because, you know, if you look back 2000 years ago, one of humanity's great self-help books was written, which is the sayings of Epictetus. And Epictetus was a fascinating guy that had a lot of Uh, amazing things to say. But one thing is the first line of his sort of his self-help book was the secret of happiness is knowing that some things are within your control and some things are not. Focus on the ones that are within your power to control. So I don't spend a lot of my time thinking about what other people think of me or anything like that. I probably did, you know, a long time ago. But another thing Winston Churchill said, when you're 20, you're extremely concerned about what people think of you. And when you're 40, you get less concerned with what people think of you. When you get to be 60, you realize they weren't thinking of you anyway. And so, you know, why worry about it? So I think the only thing we really owe our clients is to present the most authentic version of ourselves. In fact, in my seminars, I tell my advanced students, If there's anything that you're not willing to stand up in the middle of Yankee Stadium and say to 60,000 people over the microphone, that thing has got a grip on you, whatever it is. And I will happily stand up in front of 60,000 people and have and tell them everything I know about this subject, because I think that human beings owe each other our authenticity. And if we can give each other our authenticity, that binds us together in a certain way that allows us to transcend all the ego manipulations that people get into in politics and that kind of thing. Yep. Couldn't agree with you more. And I know that's something now I have an 18 year old. And for the past two years, he's been a little terrified because he'll say, but what if so-and-so thinks? And I go, don't care. Don't care what anyone thinks and uh, not even a little bit. So and I, I, I do appreciate that. But I love I love um, the context that you shared. And um, I think. Um, I, I love that, which is just focus on the ones who love you and who are attracted to this journey, which does uh, bring us to I have two other things to uh, bring into this conversation. One of them is a little disclaimer which is uh, please don't reach out to Gay and I and ask about sources or resources for this substance. And we're not necessarily advocating any behavior. There, uh, the laws governing plant medicines vary. Um, they are in some cases legal, in some cases not legal. And uh, well, we're not attorneys. We don't play them on TV or the internet, nor are we uh, therapists as far as you're concerned. So um, here's what I will tell you. When you are ready for something like this, 
it will find you and so will the communities that have it accessible and available. And that's what I would leave it with. But um, any requests for, like I say, for sourcing referrals, that kind of thing will be ignored. Um, and I say totally that out of ignored. love, yeah, uh, out of love and out of liability. Anything you want yeah, to add on I, that? Yeah, uh, actually, I've been out of it for quite a while, um, out of that particular field. So I've sort of lost contact with a lot of the folks. In it. But anyway, I think uh, everybody gets the picture about that. Now we want to devote another episode at a future occasion to some other elements of this, and um, hopefully it'll be of interest to you. And um, for right now, got any last minute things you'd like to say fresh from the uh, fields of psychedelia and uh, antigens that you'd like to tell the world? Yeah, well, I think uh, one of them is is this. One of the things that you and I have talked about, Gay, is we have put together uh, something we call the Big Leap Year. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity to work with Gay and I. And one of the things that he that you and I have talked about is in the big leap year it's all about um a way to connect with a group as well as the two of us on a journey that goes far beyond your normal business um and this is um mystery mystique multi-spectral prismatic union of energy and spirit and not only working with the science of success and uh, profound shifts and changes and, and ungluing and unblocking where you are in your life, but also connecting on a very deep soulful level and exploring and talking about the topics that we discussed today. Some of the things that are sometimes off limits to the traditional business world, but are really, really valuable. So I would encourage you, if this resonates with you, this message and this idea, we're taking applications right now to work with us for the big leap year, which is going to be starting um, either right before towards the end of this year. So the place to go is bigleappodcast.com slash apply. But Gay, anything else that you'd like to talk about in terms of uh, the right kind of visionaries who want to um, reach breakthrough velocity and achieve the greatest things and also your views on why we're doing this? Well, one of the things that I've been interested in for a while is gathering a community of people who are really willing to turn up the volume on their openness to learning. Uh, here at the Hendricks Institute, we have a, uh, a 10 degree, a 10 scale about openness to learning. One of them is being at the bottom is being very close to learning. You know, convince me, you got to show me. And then up at a number 10, though, are people who are wide open to learning. They're here on this earth to learn as much as they possibly can. And this is their passion. And that's how I am. And that's how you are, Mike. And that's the kind of people we want joining us for this. So um, uh, if you're a 10 on that wide open to learning scale, or maybe even 11 that we can learn from, uh, go um, uh, apply over at big, bigleafpodcast.com. Right on. And and I think something else that Gay and I talked about is, as you heard today, I didn't even know Gay knew Terrence McKenna. If you know who he is or haven't researched him before, check him out. But between Gay and I, we've got a massive, massive database of connections, resources, relationships that we're going to draw into um, this experience as well. We're going to open up 
our network and connections and bring in um, great spiritual leaders of today and in the past who will bring value, intellectual value, spiritual value, connected value into this experience as well. And it's something I'm excited about um, opening that up. But this is unique. It's going to be a blend of uh, breakthroughs on every level you can imagine, whether it's building your personal value as well as breaking through a challenges that you're standing in the way and combining gaze decades of wisdom and knowledge as a psychologist um, and as a therapist and working with thousands, tens of thousands of people. And um, well, whatever it is that I do as well, we'll combine those two and, uh, and uh, our goal is just to create um, an incredible big leap year for you. So anything else before we wrap up this episode, Gay? Mm, can't think of anything. Well, I frequently describe you as the smartest guy I know. And uh, I know you know some people that you describe as the smartest guys you know and uh, the smartest uh, women you know. And so I'm very interested in uh, spreading out through our various networks. In fact, I want to do a whole conversation sometime on how to tune up your network, basically, so that you're relating to the highest quality people. I love that. I'm going to make a note of that and we'll definitely hit that in an upcoming episode. So, well, we'll officially bring this episode home. I hope you got something out of it. It's, um, I felt a little vulnerable and, um, but I feel great now because I've been thinking about this like crazy for a week, just anticipating the conversation. I want to thank you as usual, Gay, for another great episode and for you at home or wherever you're listening to this make sure you like it you know someone who could benefit from this experience uh share it with them and um leave us some stars leave us leave us a rating and a review oh and there's one last thing which is for the latest uh show notes and link you can always text us there you can actually send messages to gay and me it's at 858-434- 5316. That's 858-434-5316. You can text BL to that and you'll get a specific big leap uh, message from Gay and me. So that's what we got for you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks.